Hey guys, and welcome to episode 302 of The Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Keller. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Startup Diary podcast. If this is the first time you're joining us, this is where we're sharing what it's truly like to build a small business. We've been around for about six years now. I started off funding it through bootstrapping and consulting, raised a bit of seed funding, and then raised some venture capital. And trust me, I make mistakes every single day I walk into my office. And this podcast is here to share the mistakes that I make so you don't have to make them too. So today, Harry, we've just got off the back of Mm. doing a Facebook live stream to our community. Do you want to let people know how to get into that Facebook group in case they're interested? A nice early plug? Sure. You just search on Facebook for Startup Diary Club and we'll be one of the results that surfaces. Don't forget, when you click join to make sure that you answer two quick questions, otherwise you'll be left in pending for a while and you'll annoy our amazing admins, Alison mm-hmm. and Shane. So we just did a live stream because we passed that huge 300 episode mark. I think we've been doing this for a couple of years now. And we wanted to make sure... <laughs> it feels like a lifetime. It really does. <laughs> and we wanted to make sure that the next 300 episodes are what this community, this audience actually want to hear. So we just had a great conversation. And off the back of it, one thing that came sort of to the top of the conversation was back way back when, I haven't sense checked this, but he said episode 186, we got into the details about Facebook marketing. Yep. And that became around because we did a Expert Trades Live marketing day. So what we do as a business is we, we help trades professionals, very simply put. And we did a workshop. We did four or five last year, one day workshops, how trades professionals should think about their business and market themselves. So I basically took all the things that I do as a consultant, packaged them up into a printed workbook and went through it with the trades for six, seven hours for a full day great fun absolutely loved it off the back of that we then launched this year expert trades live sales training so a sales workshop because you can imagine when a tradesperson goes out he gets phone calls day in day out mm-hmm. uh, and i say he but it's he or she as you guys know uh, but they get phone calls day in day out and they need to qualify their customers uh, they need to make sure they're not wasting time with tire kickers they mm-hmm. need to justify their prices a lot of time because homeowners think they're getting ripped off which a lot of time they aren't they're just uneducated in the process yep. uh, so we basically went through a sales workshop of how they need to educate their customers qualify them all the way through to handling objections all around price or getting quotes for other customers and the whole day is like seven hours including role playing it's great fun and for me you're in the room actually what did you think about the room for the day because <laughs> we did our first one last week and you were there filming some stuff well, I uh, I showed up, showed up. I uh, I arrived uh, <laughs> at about eleven o'clock. Yep. So I wasn't there from the very beginning. Um. So I didn't see how I didn't see how the room was when I f- when everyone first arrived. But when I got there, it felt intense in a good way. But mm-hmm. it felt intense. The it, the room was hot and sweaty, and it just felt like a lot has been said so far, and everyone was just kind of coming off of a wild ride and just ready to hit kind of stage two. Completely agree. And it was so different to our marketing day, wasn't it? Because the marketing day was very sit back, textbooky. Yeah, I think just by the nature of marketing, mm-hmm. it's very, or it can be perceived as very woolly or it's very, very theoretical. Whereas selling is a very practical thing. Mm-hmm. It's very real, almost tangible, like do this, say this, get this, or with the aim of getting this result. Marketing is like, get your brand out there, get shown, be get people aware of you. So I think, I also think because people, seeing marketing things is less offensive to yeah. Like people don't complain about seeing an ad somewhere. They just ignore it if they don't like it. Whereas everyone's been sold to 
whether they like it or not and they don't like for example cold calls or yep. or we've all had people knocking on the door or and it's like everyone's got a very strong opinion about sales well it's, it's that old adage no one likes to be sold to mm. but everyone likes to buy Hundo. Uh, so, but on that note, you mentioned in terms of like, it's a very practical thing. I think one of the key differences for me when I was sort of delivering both trainings is with marketing, you can you can basically build a very straightforward process because it's not a person-driven game in terms of you can you can basically map out, here's the three things you need to do. You need to click mm. this, do that. So I think the point you're making is right because I think the sales perspective is emotion. Yes, you can give them the script, but people don't agree with the script yeah. because they don't want to sell like that. They don't want to come across as that person. So every time you, you go into sales training, the person listening to the side of that training needs to adapt it mm. to their own style. Yeah. And I think that was probably missed in the room to start with, but it was great. My biggest fear was I deliver a sales workshop and everyone's quiet. Like you need energy. Like you need to get people inter- yeah. interesting, and there was, interested uh, and interacting. There was There was one guy in there as well that, I think it was Keith, was it? Keith, it was Keith. He seemed hell bent on busting your balls every step of the way. In in a good way. Like he was very respectful. He wasn't just he wasn't like slating. At the end of the day, he was there for a reason. He could have walked out any time. So he and he stayed for the whole thing and he was he was taking everything on board. But he uh, (laughs) yeah, he he's obviously had strong opinions about sales techniques, sales tactics and how he thinks he should sell. Yep. So then when you've um, you've mentioned a new technique. Why don't you try this? And you saw it, you'd be like, no, 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 no. That's, that's too aggressive. You're wrong. And, and after a while it was like, he kept, he kept coming at you again, still respectfully. He just kind of respectfully disagreed. But I think to your benefit, because you were able to literally answer everything, <laughs> everything he threw at you, you just had a, an answer to in the end, it just showed that you really knew what you were talking about and everyone ended up being on your side thinking, well, okay, like, Adam, you clearly know your shit. Yeah, 100% put me on the spot and made me, made me prove myself, mm. which was great. But I think the key thing that really helped me do is just educate the room on sales is a process. Like, there is a thing to do. and a, a, it's, People think about sales if it's like this magical bullet or you're just a natural mm. bullshit artist so you can sell to people. That's not, not what we're there to train on the day. There's a process to go through and everyone needs to develop their own sales process. But because I follow my own process, all the rebuttals that he had and the problems that he had with what I was delivering, like I know how to, because it's basically an objection. Like everything he has a problem with, it's an objection. And part of the course is objection handling. Mm. Like if I can't handle his objections, I shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. So that was, it was like a great <laughs> example. He basically gave me so many opportunities to mm. show things in action. Because the room yeah. were obviously like, oh, I know what he's doing. Because by the end of the day, like, oh, I know what Adam's doing here. Mm. Like, he's giving me a problem. Yeah. I'm saying, well, thanks for raising that, Keith. Like, all the yeah, steps that I was showing throughout the day. Because Keith... Keith um, I wish he was there every time. He'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Because all, all he was doing, though, was was basically saying what people might be thinking as mm-hmm. well, which was a bonus. Because you, you, uh, you will only... You can only say, okay, so you're going to get some objections. Here's, here's an example. But then he would he would always have another thing that obviously you've not, you're not able to cover everything, but he probably would be saying the common things that most of the guys in the room will be getting. And you were just able to like say, just cover all of those. So it just, it just worked hugely in your favor. And as it was the first one, and we explained to the guys, it was the first one. This is an interesting one for us. We need some energy. We need some interaction in the room. It kind of made me feel super happy and confident that the next ones, we're traveling all over the country doing these in the next sort of six months. Uh, that just beat, mate. I apologise if that was my computer making so a beat. Rude. So I guess to pull it round, uh, what we're going to do in 
I don't know for how long, whether it's going to be every Wednesday, but we'll we'll tag these or put a title in them to let you know this is part of the sales training workshop that we're delivering. We're going to break down the sales workbook that we've gone through. and We're going to cover off each topic as part of that word, but we might get to one topic. We might get to two uh, per show. And off the back of it, we're super interested to hear from the listeners. Any objections that you guys are having or any questions you have about your own sales process because we can cover off a topic on the show and then at the end of that show, we can potentially answer some specific listener questions to wrap all these up into a really great sales series. So just so you guys have an idea of what's coming up as part of this pack, we've got setting smart goals for your business success. So there's no point setting any sales process in place if you don't know what you're striving towards. So there's this thing and it takes me back to business studies uh, about setting smart goals. We're going to outline what they mean for a business. Then my next page in my workbook literally says know your shit, which is all about knowing your products inside out. And the key thing we're going to speak about here is not selling your product on its features, but selling on benefits. So we're going to cover off how you do that, how you think about it. Then we go into qualifying customers, and that's making sure your customers have the ability, authority, inclination, and budget to buy your services. And that's going to be a really good, insightful, potentially a long episode, but it's super important. Then we're going to help you identify different types of customers. So we think there's four different types of customers. We have cheap, sophisticated, difficult, and affluent, and what they sound like, and then how you interact with those mm-hmm. guys differently. Then we get on to when you're in the house or you're in for a trade person in the house or whether you're going to see a client, how you navigate a certain line of questioning to get the answers that you need to deliver an effective sales process. And then as you're going through those lines of questioning and you actually present an offer to the customer, you guys are going to get no's and a no is an objection. So we're going to go into objection handling because a no is fantastic news for you because they've told you. Normally, they don't tell you. They say, I'll get back to you. And then you never hear from them again. So we're going to go through making sure you think of objections as a positive thing. So request for more information and how you handle objections. And the last thing is, is making sure that you're not just selling, you remember to close. Because there is no point being a fantastic salesperson if you can't actually close a deal. So it's going through examples of opening test closes, progressive test closes, and trial closes, all these different things and tools that you can use when you're selling your services to a customer to actually make sure that they're in a buying mindset. So when you go for the close, they've already bought. It's just Mm. a a mere task that you got to do at the end of the deal. So today we're going to get into smart goals and we'll get into that straight after this break. So today, Adam, we are talking about smart goals yep what are smart goals <laughs> uh, so smart is basically just an acronym and if you if you if you studied business studies at school you probably got it drilled into you uh, whether it's around sales or just anything for your business if you're not setting goals like you have no idea what you're striving towards so i guess just to get straight into it what we're looking at is s-m-a-r-t don't know why i felt the need to spell out the word smart if you listen to this show and you don't could know be, could have been double a could have been double r not a fancy acronym okay so s harry if you had to guess we're talking about smart sales no we're talking about smart get sales out of the way this is about overarching business goals it really applies to sales because every salesperson needs goals okay that's what we strive towards so smart s when you think about a goal what does it need to be structured oh i like i like your thinking specific specific okay there's no point setting a goal why do i feel like i know i should know what smart goals are i feel like i feel I like really we, should know this i feel like I we've forgot, done it i forgot past. about this i should know this this is gonna be a good smart, recap measurable specific specific smart. <laughs> <laughs> specific <laughs> measurable yep uh a. Mm. 
I think R is like recordable. Let's go back Re- to A. Repeatable. Let's no. go back to A. No, I'm, I'm, I've lost it. Cool. Let's roll through them and then we'll give some examples of what I they mean. Know this, and if you listen to this show, guys, what you need to take away is whatever your goals are in your business right now, make sure they are smart goals. Otherwise, you might end up striving towards something that's unrealistic, unattainable, uh, and just woolly. Like you need to make sure mm. that your goals are actually, you know, if you've achieved them, yes or no. It's binary. Did you hit your goal? Yes or no. If you can't say, did you achieve it? Yes or no. It's not a smart goal. Go and reevaluate what you're striving towards in your business. So S specific. Yep. How about we'll do this? You repeat after me. So I know cause I'm specific. Cool. Like M is measurable. Measurable. A is attainable. Attainable. Okay. R is realistic. Realistic. There is a difference. Most people don't understand the difference between A and R, attainable and realistic. And T, what's important about a goal? If you're if if I've got a trackable, like, if I've got a fight in eight weeks' time, how long have I got to get fit? Not a trick question. <laughs> if you've got a marathon to do in three months, yeah. <laughs> how long have you got to get fit for that marathon? Three months. It's time specific. Time. Okay. okay, it's timely. We have to make sure we have a defined time period for that goal. You confused me because you mentioned the time measurement and then looked <laughs> like it was still a question. <laughs> I apologize. So let's roll through these specific. Okay, so let's just say I'm trying to increase sales in the business. Okay, there's no point me coming into the office and banging, guys. I want more sales. It's not going to do fucking anything. It might do something, actually. Like we've got a great team. Like, <laughs> Oh, you want more? Oh, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh, I want more sales. We need to be specific with our sales. Is guys, we need to increase turnover mm. by 30%. Very specific goal. Make sense? Yep. Cool. We won't dwell on this too much. Measurable. Okay. So this is where we're actually trying to quantify how we do this. So if I'm trying to increase sales in my business by 30%, I need to apply a measurable number to how we're actually going to do this. What's the quantifiable metric that we do to achieve that? So we sell, let's just say we sell Audis. Got my key. Okay. We sell. (laughs) You just gave me a look. Okay. So we sell. For all the Audi drivers out there. So we sell Audis. Uh, Private uh, Reg or just a standard? Just a standard. standard. I'm not one of those guys. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so what we all of a sudden need to do is actually, guys, if we need to sell, increase sales by 30%, we know we need to sell an extra five units a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's measurable. So all of a sudden we've taken this big goal of 30% increase in sales and broken it down to something that's measurable for the whole team to understand. What do you think I mean by attainable? I was literally going to say realistic, uh, but that's why attainable. I would say um, something that's actually possible. Nailed it, Ari. Nailed it. Thank you. So Thank there's you. the zero point. You guys setting yourself a goal that is actually unattainable for your business. So let's just say, let's take an example of you own a gym. Okay, mm-hmm. so. You own a gym and you go, cool, what I want to do is increase an increase in sales by 20%. And we need to increase it by 500 subscriptions this month. And your gym only holds, to, I know this is a bad example, because gyms always oversubscribe. Uh, but You're you, describing the business I model of a gym. <laughs> very, very bad example. But if you run a class in a gym yeah. and you want to sell 500 seats, but there's only a space for 200 people, 
you actually cannot fulfill that. So if you think about your business, like if you're trying to sell a new service and you don't have, if you're trying to sell um, app development and you don't have an app developer, mm. it's an unattainable goal because you don't have the resources internally to make that happen. So it's making sure your business, if you hit your goal, is actually capable of delivering it. Mm-hmm. As in a, can my business actually deliver this? Then we get into R, which is just realistic. So, so I guess this is more of a, how to describe it, uh, more of a, a perception of if we can get the number, it's obtainable, but a realistic target based on, for example, staffing versus the output is probably two thirds of that overall goal. Yep. So you, a, a couple of good things there. Think about staff. Staff have got expectations and they've also mm. got experience. So there's no point in me coming in next month. Oh, let's talk about tool talk. Harry, if I came into you and said, Harry, I want a 200% increase in tool talk reviews, which means I need 30 reviews every single day. We know it's attainable because there's no cap on the tool talk reviews. Mm-hmm. Is it realistic? No. Because you've got experience. You know what we're capable of as a company and you know that regardless of how many ideas we come at, we're not going to be able to hit that goal. And the problem mm-hmm. is with an unrealistic goal, it's just demotivating. Yeah. Right? Especially it's destined to fail. If you know it's destined to fail, you know that at some point in the near future, the manager is going to speak to the, the employee and they're going to have a confrontation because the manager is disappointed the employee didn't hit the goal. The employee is pissed off because the manager set them an unrealistic goal. So it's making sure that goals are realistic to the point that they are hard to hit but you can still hit them. Otherwise, everyone's just going to be disappointed every time they come to review their KPIs. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Last one, what was it? T, go. Time. Timely. Time, timely. Time, well, yes. Yeah, That's what's written in my notebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it must be right. So timely or time-specific, I think, is what I used to see in my business studies, but way back when. So this is just putting a time frame on your goal. So there's no point saying to yourself that I want to get fit that's a really poor goal mm. like I want to get I want to lose 10% of my body fat uh, I'm going to do that by doing X per week uh, it's attainable for me because I know I can do it it's realistic uh, but is it over the space of two weeks or is it over the space of two mm-hmm. years because making the, making it time specific will impact how realistic it is as yep. well uh, so super important that you make it time specific uh, and that will also give you a milestone of when to check back in if you set yourself a goal that's six months long you should not wait till month five to review where you are. Because you know the deadline of this goal is now mm. six months, you should check in every now and then to see where you are. And because it's specific and measurable, you know that if you've got to increase, if you've got to sell 600, I'm looking for an example, if you're trying to sell 600 iPhones, okay, uh, in the next six months, you can, you know, okay, cool, I need to sell 100 iPhones a month. Mm-hmm. It's specific, it's measurable. You check in with yourself across that time frame. I'm on month two. I've only sold 100. I'm behind. I need to review this and do more work and pick it back up, which means you'll know exactly where you are because you've set some time expectation to that goal. All that makes sense. Fairly self-explanatory, yeah. It is, but it's weird. That's not weird. I guess you have to be very strict on it and you have to be honest and realistic with the attainable goals and time frames that you're basing it all in. It's really hard to do because a lot of... A lot of us as like business owners or even people within a team, when you've got stuff to do, you set yourself goals without really thinking it through mm. because this makes you, you've got to apply some more time for this. You've got to apply some more logic to this. You've got to do some calculations sometimes. I also think potentially, um, maybe not ego, but like everyone thinks that they can probably do more 
quicker than they actually work and things like that. So like to say, oh, we can we can sell a hundred units by the end of the month because you kind of want to and you think it's obtainable and and realistic. But I guess if you've not got a like if you've not got the experience and you've it, it's actually a hard slog to sell thirty units of whatever it is. It's like shit. We've really underestimated, so it can can just knock your confidence essentially. But I think what's really interesting that you just said is. If you're new to setting smart goals, you probably don't have an idea mm. of your pace yeah. of work, your sales ability, the velocity of how quickly you can get through projects. And by setting yourself goals, you might find yourself being extremely unrealistic all the time. And that's when you need to go, okay, I'm really bad at goal setting. I now need, so here's a really good example. So when we used to do projects for clients, we were really bad at setting expectations of the clients and how yeah. long stuff would take because yeah. we didn't take consideration the briefing stage, the planning stage, mm-hmm. the revisions. And as soon as we started to actually track time and set, here's our deadline for this. Well, that's not realistic. We can't do that. We haven't got revisions from a client. All this stuff comes mm-hmm. into play because we've said we're doing it in this six-day period. And we go, no, we're not. Because we've set that, we know how far behind we are. So that six days became 10. We go, wow, these are actually 10-day projects for yeah. us because of this cycle. So it made us internally be more realistic when we're specking workout. So loads of good stuff can come off the back of it. Even if you miss your goal by a long shot, you can then speak to the team and go, why did we miss this by so far? Like what's yeah. gone on in the business? And we go, well, it was unrealistic from day one, but no one knew because we didn't have a baseline. We didn't have a measure of how quickly we work or what we can achieve. I'd say set a smart goal, measure against it, and then one, set yourself a new baseline, but also it just makes sure that everything you do in your business, you're holding yourself accountable. You know why you're doing it and you know what you're trying to achieve. And then you know if you've done it or not. Simple as that. I've got an example from the FSB if you want me to give you a quick example. I thought I'd do some homework for this one. I'll keep it quick. So super small example of a smart goal. By this quarter's end next year, being timely, we'll have increased our sales volume by 35% on this quarter, having reached a 20% increase in the next six months. So we can see they're extremely specific, measurable. Internally, they know it's attainable. Hopefully they think it's realistic and they've outlined some timeframes to that. And my only advice off the back of that is it's such a large time frame that internally in the company, they'll be checking in fairly often. Anything else on smart goal setting H? No. Is there a way they can download this? Maybe not this, because I'm sure if you can just Google smart goal, this will come up. But with the stuff that you're going to cover yep. in upcoming sales uh, shows, is there a way they can get hold of these the PDF or the presentation anything like that you've got really like that so what we'll do is we will every time we do a show and this goes live within 24 hours this PDF will be this page of the PDF will be available in the Facebook group so if you're watching this and you are interested very simply go to Facebook search for Startup Diary Club and it will be in one of the resources in the files on there and then we'll post it up as a link and we can carry on the conversation in that group because that's one of the problems on this podcast is we can deliver it but when we did the training workshop on the day there was questions Mm -hmm. there was feedback there was I don't agree with this and that's what sales is about we have to kind of go through this toing and froing exercise which I'm hoping we'll really get into we can do some role play we can some cool stuff so on the next sales episode and harry will title these so we know where we are uh, on the next sales episode we're going to talk about selling your product using its benefits not its features people do not buy 
features they buy benefits i'm going to talk about some examples we've all heard some of the famous ones if you've watched wolf of wall street you know one of the ones that we're going to use and we actually give you how to sell that pen because i don't really do it in the show but we'll cover it off in our might ask harry to sell me a pen and see how he gets on guys thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the start your right podcast if you haven't hit that subscribe button hopefully this show is enough for you to hit subscribe go and leave us that five star review on itunes it keeps us motivated to keep doing the show and it means the world harry anything else from you before we wrap up my friend no (laughs) see you next time Thank you.